You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. On 11.16 SEM, the award-winning crunch time for Honda's seven-year sale ends June 30. Swans could bounce away from McGavin. He did well to contain the damage. Lasted in all sorts of trouble. The pace of Harry Cunningham was a weapon. 30 metres out, if that. Careful with a kick. Effective with a kick. The Swans are in front of the SCG. The Carlton beautiful handball to Florent. Now Ronk. A bounce. Here at the body. Second. Low ball. Went on his own. Good decision. Swans take that advantage. Buddy in the goal square. Zach Jones to Parker. Marks and kicks for the outside of the boot. How clever was that? Outstanding. As soon as he marked it, he knew straight away he had to get the big boy involved. Didn't have his kicking boot on. He's got it on now. First of the night for Franklin. Sydney continue to advance further ahead. Yoke and Mark and go. He's too far out to score. Nothing. He bombs away. In fact, he's not too oh, far out to score. Shuey then handballs to Yo on there the is. run from 50. All done and dusted in 15 seconds. Sydney Chalk, another one down. Good win. Win number 10 of the season. And they are heavily entrenched in the top four. Well, they won 10 in a row, and you know, they're a very, very good football team. So coming off a six-day break, and they had the bye last week, we had a few sore boys we did during the week through our players to be able to recover and get our staff to, to get them organised and, and ready to go was was terrific because it's not easy playing the best team in the competition with them on the top of off that break. It was really, really good. For the second time this season, the Swans take down the Eagles, emphasising their lofty place in the natural order. We'll hear from a Sydney veteran. We respect Sydney in the way they play, and they've played the same tough brand for a number of years. And we're striving to do the same. So as much as we're disappointed with the loss and round one, I still thought we'd play with good spirit. The boys didn't look like they gave up at all. We'll give Sydney the credit, but I think we're still on the right track with our boys. The Eagles are still on top of the ladder and still a premiership contender. The coach is coming up. We need some help. You bet we need some help because, you know, there's been some chronic errors made in the past. Not too sure when it'll be, but he'll work through that and the club will work through that. We'll deal with it when it's time for him to come back or how long he needs. Mitch McGovern attempting to break his contract, which I think he'll try to do for the second time at the end of this year. Wouldn't be very brutal at all, in my opinion. I've got a different view on what brutal looks like compared to the, the current group. And that was probably something that really frustrated me over my last few years at the club. Ethan will be out for a while. We're going to need to assess it, but he'll be out for a long time, I'd say. A volatile week on and off the field. New frontiers and old problems too familiar and genuine argy-bargy. It's all in the crunch. Plus, we'll delve into the Saints and Dockers with Simon Lefleen and Chris Bond. It's another massive edition of Crunch Time for Honda's seven-year sale. Great offers on a huge range of new models. See honda.com.au.
As we head into day three of round 13 and a terrific performance, a strange game in some ways when a team can not kick a goal in the first and last quarters and still win. But that's what the Sydney Swans did. Anthony Hudson and Jared Waitley, as you've heard, joined by Bob Murphy and Kane Corns. And we're all together here at Etihad <laughs> Stadium for a rather rare of late occasion on crunch time. Uh, Kane, welcome to you first. Uh, the Swans absolutely, genuinely right up there as premiership contenders yeah, now. Oh, I think so. And it's a different looking Swan side, isn't it? Uh, c- compared to what we're used to in the past. But you've got to think that the credit to them with the young players that they've brought in really having an influence now and an impact. So they were terrific last night and I really thought it was a finals-like game and as good and a high as intensity game as I've seen. Bob, welcome to you. What's, Hello, what's your Andy. cap today? Is that one of your usuals? Or? I'd just like to keep you on your toes with the selection mm. of trucker caps, Anthony, but let's stay on the football. It was There was there was shades of sort of the 05-06 Eagles-Swans last night. It was it was pretty dour. There was, it was a, One goal in the first yeah. quarter. <laughs> Rusey must Rusey have been at home. To oh, <laughs> oh, how good he is this? throwing popcorn Tammy, in come there. and have a look at this. <laughs> but, yeah, I think, uh, I think the... I mean, the Swans, yeah, they're, they're a contender, aren't they? Um, and, and you alluded to it there, Kane. It's the way they've been able to integrate their young players into not just making up you know, positions 18, 19 uh, through to 22, but it's they're playing some pivotal roles. Even McCartan is structurally playing a role. And, you know, Sam Reid's due back in a couple of weeks. Does he come in automatically? Look, he probably will. But if he, if he, if he doesn't, they've got someone there who can play that, that sort of structural role. Florence become a real player in the middle. Hayward was a bit quieter last night, but you know Ronk's still giving spunk. So these guys have earned their spots. Yeah, five in a row, they've won as well, and they lost three early at the SCG. So imagine where they would be if they if it wasn't for that. And it's been without Buddy a little bit as well. I mean, he kicked two goals, five, I think it was last night, and had some help from the umpires, I thought. But um, they're doing it and finding ways to score without being so reliant on the superstar. Yeah, they are, um, and it was one of the fascinating parts of last night's game. We. Pre-match, we talked about who would play on Buddy, how they'd handle it with no Barris, and, you know, would they come up with something different? But God, Adam Simpson sort of went for the old-fashioned, put your best defender on your best forward in the end, and it was a duel within itself. And one of the pivotal moments was when McGovern was off the ground, and uh, I think Buddy kicked, he kicked one goal, maybe even one goal, two in that period. And they, turn. Yeah, and they just couldn't get him back on the ground. And that, that's that discussion that you saw we saw if you're watching last night. They're having a laugh. Buddy said to him, you should see what happens when you go off the ground, apparently. He's, a, I mean, he's, he's such a star, but the, the, the very best, and Buddy is the very best. That they, they, they very in tune with that. That I've, I've lost this bloke, and and I'm gonna, and I'm gonna make you pay, and then I'm gonna let you know about it. He's a special player, isn't he? The, the defence, I mean, and those old guys, and and you know, not so old guys. Aaliyah even last night fitted in beautifully, didn't he? Beautifully, didn't he? But Smith and Lloyd and Ramp, Rampy sort of played the more one-on-one game last night to try and nullify. Kennedy, and then Grundy was playing on a couple of kids, and he, didn't he? He just ignored them basically, didn't he? The com- yeah, the, the the chemistry of defenders it's it's probably the it's probably the easiest of the chemistries to see even on television. And when you have got guys Rampy and Grundy who have spent who have played so much football together, that's a that's a really tangible thing that that, that makes it much easier for an Aaliyah Aaliyah to come in and slot in and just be able to be find his place in that when you've got the 
the foundations of, of Rampy and Grundy down there. They look better when he's there, don't they, Alir? I think they're, they're a better side when he's there and playing like he did last night. Six intercept marks he took. and bit more adventurous. Yeah, and a couple of years ago, he was so important in the lead-up to the final what, series. What happened? He heard his, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I've, I've, been think, I've been often thinking about it, and we all we often think, where's Alir? And he's playing in the twos. You go to a game. Huddo, you would have seen him playing in the knee yeah, before. Yeah. before I feel, I feel like every, every time I watch him play, I think he could be the All-Australian so, centre-half back. And then the next yeah. thing I go, he's been out. For, what's happened to him? Oh, yeah. He had the injury, which meant that he missed the grand final, didn't he? And then uh, I think he's one of those players who needs the continuity. He needs a full pre-season and hasn't got that. He was just about to get back in the team, was it last year? And then he missed a training session. Mm, and, yeah. th- and therefore they said, no, you can't play in the game or he's late for a training session. And he's never really recovered. Lewis Malikin came back in the team and basically took his spot and... But, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting from he here plays to well, see. And, he, and I, lo- I loved his haircut last night. He yeah. must have been listening to Jared and I on radio during the week. That was a definite Clubber Lang tribute. Yes. Rocky, <laughs> Rocky 3. That was <laughs> sharp. Three. Yeah, well, it, it certainly got the tongues wagging last night. <laughs> People doing Mr. T impersonations and all sorts of things <laughs> were going on. Just before we talk about the West Coast, and uh, I, I caught up with Adam Simpson last night in the room because so, they were going to be in flight today, so we'll, we'll hear that interview a little bit later. But one thing I, I did ask Adam about, and it was clearly, and you've alluded to already, that the four-umpire trial, and Bevo clearly wasn't happy with it on Thursday night either, what do we think? Clear when you're at the game, and obviously you guys will be at games today and, and see it. And they look, it kind of makes sense because they don't do all this unnecessary running, the umpires, and therefore can back up and do more games over a weekend. But is it human nature that if there's four umpires that you're going to fight for your airtime and more likely to blow the whistle or not? Probably is human nature, isn't it? To to to. I thought you were a more selfless sort of operator, Bob. But but also, I think if it's a trial, we've got to they've got to get used to it as well. Yeah, that's a pretty big change. No number of umpires will guard against terrible decision making, and the very first decision under four umpires was a complete stinker on Thursday night. So there's no guarding against that. Four umpires will make more sense when they are policing starting points. True. And so they'll actually have a purpose at that stage. So rather than just four climbing in together and too many, maybe too many sets of eyes on every contest, um, they'll have a much more defined purpose, I suspect. Because that's the, that's the other problem, though, isn't it, is, is the extra eyes when you've got the, the non-controlling umpire deeming that there's an there's a incorrect hold or whatever out of their zone when there's two other umpires who have seen the same thing and decided, no, there's no interference there. So a third bloke says, no, I can see it from here, and he calls it, and then everyone's sort of going, what's going on? And whoever blows the whistle wins. He's right. Yeah, wins. That's right. The other two don't get to go, no, no, mate, we had that totally under control. How so, funny, how good would that be? Yeah, yeah. So that'll take a while to settle. But for where the game is likely to go next year, four umpires will be necessary, and it'll make more sense, and they'll have a greater purpose to it. Do we have the depth of umpires, Jared? And, and Not yet. Does it mean the only way to two... grow depth is to... Yeah, so they, they do two games at the moment. So I think this is one of the tricks, is we can't ask the umpires to solve the problems of the game because I reckon there are 10 who are capable of it, and then the rest aren't. So you can't actually ask a group who's not who doesn't have the experience and the depth and the know-how just yet to do mm. that. So I think we have to be really careful what we ask the umpires to do. Interesting text here on the Swans before we ask about the Eagles. The Swans can't win the flag. They have a slow midfield and will be shown up on the MCG. Please discuss. Well, that brings back memories <laughs> of uh, high school uh, exams. I'd like them against West Coast at the MCG. I probably wouldn't like them as much against Richmond. Mm. So th- this is the kicker. Is It's fine to knock teams at the MCG. There's a whole set of teams with the with knocks on them at the G. 
So, but it depends who you play. Yeah. So I think there's been the tendency to underestimate the Swans the whole way through because they had been winning without playing particularly well. They are now playing very well. So you don't want to miss that little adjustment that's, yeah. uh, that's happened. Yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's an interesting call. Uh, Kennedy is still doing what Josh Kennedy... He's probably just a, a smidge below his very best. Parker, they're using more forward, but he's coming in and out. Um, and have they changed the, the dynamics enough that this... Florent going in there or coming in more from the outside. Um, he's helped, hasn't he? I he's was, helped I was a going bit. to ask you, Kane, about how did you see Dan Hanabry? We, we've talked about him a lot during the year because mm. he is that he is that that pivotal player for them who who who's the spent inside. a lot of time on Gaff last did, night. Yeah. So, so I wonder if it was what's a more your, defensive. What's your take? Or, well, even I your take on that? I didn't mind that to, to just get him going. He's battling. He's handballing the ball too much for me. Dan Hanabry at his best, I think he's a high meters game player who can go inside but is very damaging on the outside. So three kicks last night and 21 yeah. handballs. It, it's not He's clearly right. not it's right, three, he's but not, 21 handballs. Yeah. That's so, Scott Wine stuff. Isn't it? So they've got, to, they've got to, I think they've got to get him going. Now, Mills is, without without being blatantly obvious, is a, a massive blow for them. Just looking through their squad, you know, where's the star power for, for Sydney? You know, apart from Buddy, where is it? I think Heaney is is tracking that way, but he's not at superstar level yet. So do they have enough star players that on the big stage can, can really get it done? That that would be my only uh, concern besides Buddy uh, with the Swans. Um, you know, do they have enough capable of just to turn a match on its head on they, the big they stage? They are the team who can upset the assumptions of the season because they could in in a way, keep Richmond out of second place. Well, this whole discussion so this around is second place is fascinating, it? I reckon. And that's not to discount Richmond from finishing on top either, for what it's worth. But if the Swans... So they play Richmond and Geelong after the break. So those are the two games, aren't they? Is just the maths of it. Absolutely, if, if, yeah. If West Coast do go on to, say, hold down one and Sydney edge Richmond for two, then all the assumptions about the season are out the window yep. at that point. Yeah, absolutely. So what about the Eagles, then? Did they pass any sort of test that we saw last night or, or not? Oh, I'm not concerned about the Eagles at all. You know, when you win 10 in a row, a, a performance like that is coming and they weren't disgraced at all. I thought they they held up to the game. They were in it right into the last probably 10 minutes and I thought pretty impressive performance. Uh, I thought from them that their forwards didn't get going. Darling wasn't there. Uh, Barras wasn't there. So get those two back in and it's a different effort looking good, West Coast side. Yeah, effort, and, and they kept pushing and pushing. They, they, they didn't help themselves. I mean, their, their ball use was, was really poor for, for patches, which which hurt. I mean, what, they, what was the ends that they it's, got wrong? Ball. Genuinely a different game on the SCG as well, isn't yeah. it? Like, Kennedy hardly had any room to move. You would have seen it there, Hutto, and he missed a couple of shots that he'd usually kick. So, I'll... 63 inside 50s. Yeah. Uh, and as Adam Simpson talks about, the just the, the inexperience of their forward line. You know, they, he said they were trying to be relevant all night. That's what they'd worked on. But the Swans just sort of knew that those guys weren't relevant. Let's just look after these <laughs> blokes. Yeah, if you are of the belief, and I am, that Jack Darling's structurally their most significant player. Yeah, last they night are was... going to miss him desperately. No doubt mm. they are. Yeah. For this period, and it's four to six weeks, so it's going to be three to five games from here. Yep. Um, they, they're as you should be if you have a commanding centre half forward in the way that they play. Is they are entitled to miss him, and they are going to miss him. Mm. That was what I took out of last night. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's hard, it's hard to argue with. Oh, I think they've got a star in Elliot Yo. I mean, he was yeah, yeah. incredible again last night. 13 inside 50s. You know, big goals, two goals, 30 disposals in total. He's a terrific he's player. Athleticism, his athleticism, his ability to burst and the, the long kicking game, he's, he stands out, doesn't he? He's, he's the modern 
the goey type of midfielder, isn't he? The, the damaging one that we're seeing. So, yeah, he's transformed himself from a, a good halfback flanker into a, a star midfielder. So he, he was a story last night for did, the Eagles. Did goey be happy to be known now? He, he's a goey type of midfielder. <laughs> well, what, well, you know what I mean, though, don't you? Like that, that powerful that can yeah. burst out of stoppage yeah. and have penetration with their kick. Is there any wor- other worries about them? I mean, are there, are there small forwards damaging enough? Or is it just a quiet noise? Is there any other weaknesses you can see? I mean, Lacroix's been pretty good this year. He's been... I reckon it's in keeping with the competition. Is everyone's got flaws. Yeah. Uh, how do you manage them? How do you minimise them? How do you hide them, in a way? And they mm. couldn't hide their flaws last night as much as they have done previously. Sydney aren't the complete or perfect team either, but that's the comp. Mm. And just Nat Nui, I mean, how, how reliant they are. Can his body hold up for a full season? I mean, that would be massive if... if touch would anything happen to him so um, you know he, he's vital clearly and then, then at the end of the year if McGovern and Gaff left the hole that that would leave in their side so this year I think they'll be okay and, and they'll finish probably on top Jared, with the games they've got at home and, and make a prelim probably make a grand final from here but next year if you lost McGovern and Gaff two massive holes in what's their your, side. What's your gut on those two? Probably one leaves, don't they? History would tell you. I mean, it's round 13, round 14 heading into and, and they haven't signed means that uh, the odds would say at least smoke. At least one, at least one if not two will be going. Where do you think, oh, this is probably a discussion for later on in the crunch, but where do you think McGovern is most likely to, to go? To the highest bidder? Like, are we going to see him in Victoria? Because he'll, he'll get big, there'll be big offers for him. There will be. I think there already is. Yeah. And we're saying Fremantle as well, are leading the race for him, Jared. So I don't know where he ends up, but I think he'd love to stay at West Coast. But just will they bite and, and give him that six years for the money that he wants? That'll sting the Eagles if he just goes Wouldn't across, to, across <laughs> to the Dockers. Be really Can the Dockers get one? He'd have uh, to that, play the family card. I've always wanted to play where my yeah. dad played and all that sort of stuff. They're due, though, the Dockers. So yeah. he might play at Sydney in that case. Oh. Are the McGovern's causing heartburn oh. across the competition for their teams? It's been a... Been a big week in Adelaide, I can tell you that much. And um, yeah, the Crows finally came out and admit, admitted they got something wrong with that pre-season camp about a couple of months after the first story broke. So that that was a strange one for me. But uh, yeah, Mitch McGovern apparently not happy either. So we'll wait and see. All right, 17 past 11. We're off to a break. We're going to hear from Kieran Jack and Adam Simpson next before we turn our thoughts elsewhere. There's plenty to discuss both on and off the field. We'll do all of that in the crunch a little later. Simon Lethleen to join us. The Saints are very much on the menu. What a day they have ahead of them against the Gold Coast Suns. Your mate Tony Cochran, of course, Jared, during the week. (laughs) Wasn't he interesting? There's a tremor in the force up there, isn't there? There certainly is. And uh, Chris Bond, and uh, talk about nervous days. There'll be some Carlton fans and officials and players a little nervous about what's to take place here when the Blues meet the Dockers. So it's a strange old day and, of course, a massive weekend in sport as well with the Socceroos tonight, the US Open on, uh, and uh, all the good players have missed the cut there, so that's probably probably a little less uh, relevant now. Uh, But so much to talk about in the world of footy and the world of sport. We'll keep doing that after the break here on Crunch Time for Honda's seven-year sale. Great offers on a huge range of new models. See honda.com.au. 16 SEM, the award-winning crunch time for Honda's seven-year sale ends June 13. The Swans did the Eagles in again last night. Ten wins for the season. They have a share of top spot as it stands, second on percentage. In the aftermath of the match, Anthony Hudson headed down for crunch time into the rooms. On this... the road, Jared. <laughs> on the road. Down into the rooms. So we've got a Foreign double, territory. double banger here. We start with Sydney veteran Kieran Jack. 
Coast. Well, Kieran, welcome to Crunch Time. Uh, another hard-fought battle against the, the West Coast Eagles, but a terrific result, and, and the Swans are so well-placed now. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it wasn't a, a flashy win. It was a scrappy win. We just spoke about that, but I thought the, the pressure was just intense. It was, you know, you look at the first quarter, there wasn't that many scoring shots. It was sort of up and back, and uh, neither team could get their composure right. But I think once we, once we sort of steadied second half, we are able to get some some cleaner shots and, and yeah we're wrapped with that we're wrapped with that performance so we can go into you know the bye period now um in in healthy shape which is positive bud got the the group in or you seem to, to group together with with josh and the leaders at quarter time out on the ground straight away what was the message there a bit about our entries inside 50 and and, and what they were doing and um you know mcgovern was probably having a bit of an impact there so uh, Bud was just letting us know what was going on and how we could how we could fix that. So yeah, it was um, it was important and we addressed it as well at half time. As I said, probably the second half we were able to um, get on the end of a few. What was the plan around Bud? I mean, we, we, uh, I expect you were expecting that McGovern would go to him. Is, was that in the planning? Yeah, yeah. Not to, I mean, we've sort of spoken about the last couple of weeks when he's been playing. Not to be too Bud central, you know. Like he's um, team sort of know the ball's going to go to him if we're predictable. So we want to try and you know, still remain unpredictable. We've got some reasonable options up there uh, and we've got some real speed with some of our young kids. So uh, that was a bit about what we needed to do. And first quarter, we probably were hitting Bud too much and, hit, and the spares were getting involved. But as I said, the second half was, was pleasing. You're so well placed now, as I mentioned. Uh, what, what's your feeling on this team? You, the young players have come together. You know, you might look at it at the start and think maybe there's, there's probably too many of them or they're too young for it to be a premiership tilt. You've been pretty quiet relative to some of the, the hype around other teams, but you've been in this game a long time. Do you feel you're pretty well placed? Well, certainly a better well placed than last year, um, you know, and we've spoken about that. Uh, I've been really impressed with our young guys that have come in. It's a credit to, first of all, them, but also our development team and, and what they sort of go through. Um, you know, you probably could say that they are very inexperienced and, and whether they're ready but you just sort of let them go and, uh, at some point and they're, they're really producing at the moment, they're making some big plays and you know, as far as this year, we've just got to you know, just keep it going I think that's the, that's the mentality, you have a couple of days off now, refresh, recoup and now we've got a, a, a big back half of the year coming up. Tell us about some of the kids Ollie Florent in his second year he is really starting to put a, a stamp. He's just, not just a bit player, is he? No, he's not. He's, he's, he's really controlling that wing sort of half-forward role now. And he's, a, he's an elite runner. He's a good runner, but he's, he's really crafty with his hands and his feet. And we're starting to see the fruits of that now. I think it takes kids, you know, maybe you know, 20 to 50 games probably before they get their feet and they can understand the pressure and how much time they've got. He seems to have picked it up really quickly this year. And Will Haywood had a great year last year. He sort of continued on in, in that fashion and... You know, Benny Ronks now coming into that in that period as a small pressure forward. So there's some, uh, you know, good young talent coming through the Swans that'll be here hopefully for another 10 years. How are you feeling? You, you had a, a week off there uh, and, and now heading into a, into a bye as well. How, how is the body holding up? Yeah, good. You know, I think we, um, we were a bit cautious last week and I you know, had a bit of a hip pointer injury as well. So we just wanted to manage that knowing that we've got, you know, the bye now too. So it's probably a period of time for me to really freshen up a bit. Um, you know, I played 11 games straight, so I'm, you know, body's feeling pretty good. Let's see to the ripe old age of 31 now, you know, just maintain and manage throughout the week and make sure I can bring my strengths on the weekend. How are you enjoying your footy? Are you feeling like you've just got to make the most of the rest of your career? Absolutely. You don't take any game for granted now. You know, you, um, I'm loving being around the young kids. You know, they're, they're really enthusiastic and 
they keep you young. They call me Fossil. <laughs> I don't know why. Jeremy Gavay is a couple of years older than me, but I, I enjoy going in the forward line and working with these kids and, and teaching them a bit. And, um, you know, they're, they're going to end up driving our culture in the future, so that's important. And how much does the drive to another premiership mean to you still? Oh, it's, I mean, it's what keeps you in the game. It's what, you know, it's, uh, you know, and I reflect on my career and I've been fortunate to win one. I've, you know, I've had a couple of opportunities now and, and lost a couple too. So, um, but that, that drive to, to get there again, get on that final day, that's what, you, that's what you play footy for. And that's what I'm telling these young kids. That's what it's all about. So hopefully, you know, they get to experience it at some point in their career as well. And how's horse going? Good. He's, uh, he's a little bit more relaxed now. Um, he had a bit of a laugh this week after he's uh, down the slide. <laughs> what did the boys think of that? <laughs> oh, we loved it. We did, he, he was pretty tight-lipped all week of what he was going to wear. We, we thought he was going to put the horse head on like, like well, Clark, well, Clarko did that. So, um, but we were pretty wrapped with his, with his outfit in the end. <laughs> Well, it was, it was great stuff, as was your, your performance as a team tonight. It's great to see you still out there and enjoy it. What are you doing in, your, in, your, in the week off? Uh, mate, I'm, I'm actually, I've got to finish off some study. I've got, I've got a week to go of um, my final subject of my uni stuff. So that's what I'm doing next week, a bit of downtime and just lock away for a bit. What's it, what are you studying? Uh, I'm about to finish an MBA. So I uh, uh, started about four years ago and... I'll, uh, I'll hopefully finish the whole thing by next week, which would be which would be very pleasing. And what are the plans with that MBA? Um, I don't know. I sort of, you know, as I said, four years ago, I decided I wanted to get some formal qualification from some formal study and just see some interest. And uh, you know, administration, that sort of thing, is maybe you know down the path of what Tom Harley's doing now. Um, I'd love to get involved maybe one day. Well, well played, and uh, good luck for the rest of the season. Thanks for being with us on Crunch Time. Thank you very much. <laughs> Kieran Jack with Anthony Hudson last night. Not flashy, scrappy. That's the Swans all over. And in this sort of season, that might be exactly what's required. Yeah, it, was, it was good to catch up with him and just sort of see the look around the room, sit down. I was just sitting down next to him on the floor, basically, and to uh, just experience that because we, we are up on high here in the commentary box. And I you, like you getting down there, Anthony. Yeah, it won't, happen too, many, won't happen too many times, Bob. Was, but, the smell, uh, was there the smell of liniment down there, was there? Yeah, there was a, a little bit of the smell of liniment. <laughs> we, we were compared. <laughs> I, I was struggling a bit. I had a long day in the golf course. and We were comparing. Were you icing up? Oh, I was looking for a bit of extra strapping and, and ice uh, to go with it. But yeah, he he he's you know his career was under threat last year with the way he was playing with his injuries. But he's uh, a bit rejuvenated and he can see that there's a, a chance for, for more success. Where did you speak to Adam Simpson? Give us that visual. Well, we, we then uh, trudged around to the uh, West Coast rooms and it was actually it was before the press conference. It was one of the ones those ones. And it's been a long time since I used to go to press conferences post-match, but there was mass confusion about who was going first in the press conference. We got down to the rooms. There wasn't enough journos to start the press conference. Like, can you just come in and be part of the press conference? We said, how about we do our interview with Adam before the press conference so that we could uh, then leave? So we did that. So uh, we just we kicked out a couple of uh, technical people and took over one of the rooms and just sat down and ha- had a bit of a chat. Uh, it was pretty pretty quick after the end of the siren so uh, yeah he's uh, reasonably reflective all right here it is adam simpson with anthony hudson for crunch time well adam thanks for joining us on crunch time after another pretty exhausting night at the office i would imagine how are you feeling right now about half an hour 45 minutes after the siren yeah well, look at um look, obviously it wasn't the result we were after the um you know our shots in front of goal were uh, pretty disappointing but i think it was probably i uh, got to give a bit more credit to sydney and how they played uh, I thought our young forwards probably didn't handle their experienced backs and 
you know, we've got enough supply. I think we had 63 inside 50. So if we get that every week, we think we're in with a, a fair chance. So uh, the ability to convert those was disappointing. So we'll go through all that. Um, you know, we won some, some match-ups. We lost some. So, and they missed some sh- set shots as well. But, yeah, we thought some of the critical ones that we really needed to hit, especially early when you travel, um, we, we, did, we didn't convert. Take us into the planning at that end of the ground then. Uh, obviously, no Jack Darling. How are you, how are you hoping for it to, to function and, and where did, other than the missed opportunities, where did it go well and where did it not quite come together? Yeah, I look, this is some learnings for our kids. I mean, you know, um, Ryan, Brander, Rioli, Waterman, you know, combined have probably played, I don't know, 30 games. So, um, you know, getting out of position against a team like Sydney is really dangerous. So if you're not dangerous uh, as a forward, um, they'll drop off and help defend. And I thought earlier did a, a really good role at doing that. So trying to teach our young players to stay dangerous is something we've been doing all week. But um, but I thought I thought in the second half, you know, the guys you know, really had a go. Like we didn't stop trying all day. So for that, I'm I'm pretty proud of our players and the spirit was still there and the energy was still there. It was um, unfortunately we played a, a team that were too good on the night and um, we'll take some things out of it. And um, you've got a few things to work on. It was a bit of a strange opening quarter, wasn't it? I mean, it was, it was energetic. It was certainly very competitive. There was only one goal at the end of it. So Bud got the, the swans in before they came off the ground and, or before they got to their huddle. What were you thinking at that stage? Well, we thought we were defending really well, in particular from our, um, our entries. If we weren't you know, connecting or converting, we managed to get turnover. I think we had 20 turnovers in the front, front half, in the first half of the game. So we thought, just keep going. You know, and um, you know, keep getting the supply and keep working on areas where we can connect. And we probably defended for too long though throughout the night. And you know, I don't think Sydney kicked a goal in the first or last quarters. They did miss a lot in the last. So um, conversion did hurt us. But yeah, there are other things we've got to you know we've got to work through. Was McGovern always going to go to Bud? Was that given you, you, you were down in stocks in that area? Did you th- were thinking any of any other options, or was that always what you're going to go to? Yeah, unfortunately, we lost Barras during the week and. Uh, Mackenzie's just come back, so he's playing East Perth tomorrow. Um, Schofield's due any minute. Oh, he's not due. His wife is due any minute. So we we had young Oscar Allen who we travelled over. And look, he's probably just not quite ready. Um, along with Jared Brand, I mean, tall, um, young talent sometimes takes a bit long, longer to, to establish some good presence. So we backed Gov in, and I thought he did a pretty good job. You know, I don't think he lost too many one, one-on-ones. The problem was Gov had to go off every now and then, and uh, that did expose us a little. So a little bit out of whack with our height down back, but um, I thought our backs played pretty well in the end. So you sit now still up at the top of the competition with just the two losses, both against the Swans, as we know. I mean, you must be overall really pleased with where you sit right now, as frustrating as a loss was. Yeah, we're, we're, look, we're, we're obviously not um, as consistent in terms of over longevity you know, last three or four seasons as we'd like to be. Last year was up and down a lot. So I think our, and so it's a um, cliche, but I think our brand is pretty consistent and we, we're producing similar effort every week. And we didn't get the result today, but I still saw enough signs that they're playing for each other, there's good spirit and they're playing their roles. We just got beaten by a better side tonight. Were you confident going into the year that you'd be able to establish that brand and, and, and produce it more regularly, perhaps than what the outside footy world thought? Um Oh, look, this is my fifth year, and I've been with obviously these senior players for a while now, and it's. I think the connection is a lot stronger, and every year it just grows a little bit. And the kids that have come in has really given us some energy. So uh, Mark Lacroix is a classic. You know, we get 
uh, Willie Rioli and Liam Ryan and Waterman into the side and he suddenly grows as a player himself. So I think there's been a bit of a combination of a, some list transition, some youth, and uh, we're very role-driven and you know we're, we're really going hard on the spirit side of things. So players seem to like that. Um, I like it. And um, you know, for the most part, we're pretty consistent. We're not going to win every week, but... Um, we're playing the right brand. So is that a change in philosophy for you in terms of that emphasis on spirit and maybe some things that are not necessarily tactical? Oh, yes and no. I think you'd learn... I'm going to learn a lot in my, my time as a senior coach, but I, I think the, the leaders... Uh, you know, it happened at every club, I and mean, I've seen it at, at Hawthorne, and I definitely saw it at North, where over time the leaders drive more and more the standards and the culture. So... Um, that's what I'm seeing. I'm doing less in that space. So the, the spirit and the mateship, that's, that's come from the players, and I'm, um, I'm enjoying seeing it. How, do you, uh, how, how are you going to handle the, the back half of the year then, do you think? Like, do you start talking about not so much finals, but position where you are and, yeah. and what your aims are? Well, I didn't want to... Uh, like, we're not probably in the position where we, we talk about that. You know, we're... we're um, you know, we're, I know we've won, we did one ten in a row, but we're still trying to establish some consistency and the back half of the year is going to be really challenging. So our goal has been to make finals. We need probably three more games to do that, minimum, and that's our objective. So we're not looking past Essendon next week. So it's that's just the way they are and that, that's them driving it as well. So there's no change in projection or resetting or anything like that. They're just, you know, they want to win next week. Just on the four umpires, there's been some discussion around. There's lots of free kicks. Yeah. What, what's your thoughts? Oh, I didn't notice. I didn't notice the four umpires. Um, so, but did you notice the excess free kicks? <laughs> well, I didn't notice the umpires, the four of them, and I'll leave it at that. No, to be honest, I mean, sometimes you have a good day, sometimes you have bad, and there's a bit of speculation on us, and the numbers don't lie. I know on on our free kicks at home, and uh, you just want consistency and, and predictability. And I thought, you know, for the most part, there was. A bit of both. <laughs> uh, you, have you, are you going to revisit your uh, your uniform, your, your outfit from uh, last Monday? No, no. Chaz is done. Yeah, um, that's created a lot of attention that I didn't quite plan. I, I said yesterday I didn't know he was a sex tornado uh, before I put the uniform on. So my son loves uh, Blades of Glory and he loves Will Farrell and it was a great cause and really, really wrapped it, raised so much money and to be a part of it was. It was fantastic, and you know, apart from Chris Fagan going down, um, it was uh, it was fantastic for everyone. Just finally, did, did it show another side of the coach? Is it great? That, well, it definitely showed another side of the coaches. Was it great that it was able to show another side of the coaches, or do you wish you didn't have to do it? Uh, look, at the time, I was um, you know I'm a pretty conservative type of guy, but um, you know when when you do get an opportunity to to you know let it all hang out, I suppose not, not, not literally, but to, to embrace what's going on and, and try and show a different side of yourself. It wasn't a plan for any of their coaches, but I think all of them to a man have got you know decent personalities. It's just hard to um, express yourself in, in certain ways when you're trying to win every week and you know, you're the leader of the club. And was there anything from the dinner that uh, stands out? Oh, I wish I knew. I didn't go. Um, so yeah, it's difficult for us. I mean, we, we, I flew back on Monday night and then I flew to Sydney on Wednesday. So I had to see the players. We trained on Tuesday, so... Ideally for us, for the interstate club, it should be done pre-season or, or post-season, but in-season for us, because everyone's got buyers at different weeks, and it's really difficult. And, um, yeah, so unfortunately I didn't go, and I don't, th- I don't think I was alone. Does that annoy you? Well, you know, things are based in Melbourne, we get that. So, um, But if you want, you know, equal conversations, you're going to have to, 
look after us a little bit. So, yeah, um, I'm not sure how many interstate coaches went. So, And I haven't heard anyone. No one's called me about what happened. All right. Well, thanks for joining us anyway. After a loss, we appreciate that. Good luck for the for the back half of the year. Thanks, guys. Adam Simpson joining us on Crunch Time. <laughs> he has a very good way of making a point without each stridently making a point, doesn't he? He did, yeah. There's clearly a little bit of grumpiness around that, and I think particularly heightened by this discussion around the game and where it's headed, and they just feel that you know these group of people are making these decisions in Victoria, and they're not either not getting a say or. Um, and not getting enough of a say. So we'll come back to the three key takeouts uh, in about 20 minutes' time from the night. The last one, the last point of discussion is, did Lance Franklin take a dive? And what on earth are we doing looking into this to such a degree? The Rance one never bothered me. I understand if you want to pick it up, that's fine. But are we really combing over these in such a way? No, uh, my, I my, think it's ridiculous. Yeah, I didn't think it, I didn't have an issue with buddies. I thought that was we'd see that a couple of times a game. Um, Rance, uh, it was more just coming from a point of experience where I regretted doing that for my career. So don't do that, Alex Rance. And the fact that he's done it a couple of times, even the one against Port Adelaide, that's what happens. And that was my point with Rance. Once you start doing it, every little move that you make, people will start speculating on that. So no issue with Buddy last night. And you know, I wouldn't expect to see it from Rance again. I'm I'm pretty hard on the divers, on the diving spectrum. I was pretty hard on Kane too. When he, when he used to see him flopping about. <laughs> but no, no there's, a, there's a line. Let's, let's yeah. not make it bigger than what it is. All right. Let's uh, quickly catch up with Russell Barrick now from Unibet. By punters, four punters ahead of the matches today, yeah, starting with the Blues and uh, the Dockers, Russ. Good afternoon, or good morning. Oh, good morning and good afternoon to uh, one and all. Uh, not a lot of interest as you'd expect, Hutto, in those early games. Carlton, 215, Frio, $1.72, and then the Suns, 245, St Kilda, $1.57. It's all about the night games, and I'm not only talking about the night game of AFL, of course. $1.48, Hawthorne, 270, Adelaide. Just can't ride a bet against the Crows, and the injury list just continues, but the bigger one, of course, the Socceroos, $6.90 to draw. We take that. $10 a win. If you can get a Unibest special, $17 Australia uh, in that game. And $1.28 the Frogs, who we hope uh, just perform like Frogs tend to perform and are a bit flat. But anyway, unibet.com.au is the website. You can download the app. All of the World Cup action, plenty of uh, AFL, of course, uh, tomorrow's big game as well. Gamble responsibly and go the Socceroos. Thanks, Russ. Uh, Unibet, five punters, four punters. As he said, if you're going to have a wager, do so well within your means and gamble responsibly. An injury update for Arnold Thomas and Becker. Carnage, of course, for the Dogs at Adelaide Oval Thursday night. Eastern Wood out for an extended period with his hamstring and the seriousness of Jack McRae's injury to, uh, well, the same, the hamstring is yet to be determined. All clear from last night's blockbuster at the MCG. That injury update for Arnold Thomas and Becker over 50 years' experience in personal injury law. Did you see the Ronaldo goal, by the way, from last no, night? I don't have Optus. No, yeah, I couldn't work through the 15 steps to get the to subscribe. Mine was buffering when it happened. <laughs> <laughs> that was the responses I was expecting. But what? That's worth it through the buffering. Incredible goal. Okay, we'll, okay, great. Thanks for your yeah, feedback well, on that. I Although I did, I did see... He, he, did, he, did he claim the, that he's the greatest of all time? Did you see that after the celebrations? 
He gave, he gave him so he tickled the little, 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 little goatee. Yeah. Goatee. Ah, yes. Uh, I like it. This World Cup is very much about determining an individual order. Mm. Maybe uh, just as much as a team order, I think. Absolutely. All right, we'll take a break. This is Crunch Time, the Honda's seven-year sale. Great office on a huge range of new models. See Honda.com.au as well as uh, getting the three key takeaways from last night to finish our discussion on Friday night footy. Chris Bond from the Dockers, Simon Lethlane from the Saints, and a whole host of issues on and off the field coming up in the crunch. On 11.16 SEN, the award-winning crunch time for Hungry's seven-year sale ends June 13. This is crunch time for seven-year sale. Great offers on a huge range of new models. See honda.com.au. We're just admiring Cristiano Ronaldo's final goal almost as much as he is. Oh. But that is a super goal to get the draw with Spain. All right. First topic in the crunch is imagine if the Saints lose today. Uh-huh. Discuss. Um, Cane corns. We were, Bob, Bob and I were having this uh, discussion off air in the ad break, and it, it took me back to 2012 when we lost to the Giants, when the Giants were no good, and uh, you could just sense that uh, we had about uh, 20 inside 50s in the last quarter, couldn't score, and then they went down the other end and, and kicked a goal. My brother was actually playing for the Giants, which was oh, ironic in twist. itself. That's salt in the wound. And the the camera just, I just kept seeing it pan to promise, pan to promise, and that, that you could tell that was the story. It's got that feel about it for me, for St Kilda today, and you had a similar experience yeah, I can't remember, the Gold Coast. I can't remember what year it was, maybe 13 or 14, and we played the Gold Coast up there, and the Gold Coast, they were going no good then either. <laughs> and But there was the there was the tension all week of oh god I That's wish we were we'll playing yeah. the top side I wish we were playing the top side and you you can't deny that you can you got to break the tension. What is it that breaks that through to the, that that gets through to the players? Is it just all the noise from outside or is it something that's said or not said in inside? Well, it's the thing you feel, but there's a there's a reluctance to want to talk about it. So I think I, uh, with, the, so with, with, not, with hindsight, do you, do you address it and just say, "Look, this is what's you've, going well, on." You've got to, you've got to. If there is that tension in the, you've got to get rid of tension inside the footy club, whatever it is. This is just, but this is mm. a very different kind of tension. I think people are a bit more hesitant to kind of address the elephant in the room sometimes, and then and, the amount, and then you and then you do lose, and it's like being injected with lead. You sort of walk off going, "Oh dear." We didn't speak about it. You just you you see the names up on the the board before the game and you think well we're, we're a better side than them surely if you compare you compare that's what I was thinking I remember thinking that exact thing well we're going to win because look at look at the positions and compare but the see, names but see even, even but then, that even oh that, no. even that self that, that's not how you would that's not the internal dialogue if you're preparing to, to play Geelong at, at the MCG you would be about first contest first quarter look after my little area and help the pe- people around me and all of a sudden you come up against someone that you just should beat, and you start thinking about the end of the game and what or or what happens if it doesn't go our way, which is t- totally foreign to footballers. Two pieces of audio from from Nick uh, with the one of them with the segment you did, Bob. First of all, on uh, their lack of pressure this year, if we have a listen to that from Fox Footy, they look lost. The boys, they they look really lost. They've prided themselves in the, over the past few years on on being a really strong pressure team. What do they have other than pressure? And that was probably a fair criticism. That was going to be what took the Saints from being on the fringe into uh, potentially the top eight, which a lot of people thought they were a chance to do. But this year they're 17th in pressure, which requires no talent. It doesn't 
matter if you've got injuries or players missing through suspension. Pressure is a choice and I just can't see any semblance of, of game plan or identity within the footy team at the moment. So that was stingy enough and then the answer to a question about the week they would have had at Moorabbin also on Foxford, I think, post-match on Thursday night. Nick, give us an insight into the brutal 360-degree feedback at St Kilda this week. How brutal would it be or who would it come from? Uh, oh, it wouldn't be very brutal at all, uh, in, in my opinion. I've got a different view on what brutal looks like compared to the, the current group. And that was probably something that really frustrated me over my last few years at the club. Is that just a different generational player or is that real? Uh, well, it's it's both. It's, mm. Yeah, I think I think definitely it's a part of that is a generational thing, and I think even of that generation, Nick would have been brutal for his idea of brutality would have been extreme f- for that generation. So the, the the only issue I have with and and you know so Nick from that thinks that the modern assessment in you know is is too soft, but there's not just two options here. It's not the very modern thinking and sit everyone down and stop, start, keep and, and interrogate everyone. There's 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 got to be light and shade. There's got to be light and shade. So, I mean, how, how do we know what's... Yeah, I don't. But, I mean, Nick obviously has some some frustrations with it. Clearly, um, he had that in the last few years of his career. Yeah. It surprises me a little bit. Um, Alan Richardson was with Ken Hinckley. He was director of coaching uh, 2013, Hinckley's first year. And, and Kenny's the most brutal coach that I've ever had. So he, he, he doesn't care about the modern generation. He'll, he'll absolutely give it to you if he thinks you need to cut your hair or if he thinks that you pulled out of a contest. He will tell you, and he will tell you straight up. And it, was, it, and it was... It, I'm telling you. I, no, no, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not doubting you. I just think, come on. Are, no, well, we, are, we, are we still there? We're we still are. haircuts and colour well, of boots? Well, we were we when I was still playing under Ken Hinckley. And Alan Richardson <laughs> observed that, and there were some results from that. Now, different personalities I know. So, um, clearly, he hasn't taken Hinckley's approach to St Kilda with him. So, how do you read Tony Elshaw's departure from St Kilda? So, it's the first step you have to take because all the recruiting work is done now. Yes. You can't wait to the end of the season on that. So, the fresh set of eyes goes in and says, this either hasn't been a successful build or we actually need somebody to add the next layer to it. Is this, this is if you're going to take a step, this has to be the first step. Yeah, it is. I, I guess it's the logical one when you look at uh, the issues they're facing. We'll speak to Simon Lethleen uh, soon and can ask him about that. But I mean, it, it, it remains. This is a really difficult thing to judge, I think, isn't it? For as, as it always is, not just did this last bloke do a good enough job, but is the next bloke going to do a better job? And how long will it be before we know whether he's going to do a better job? This, this is a it intrigues me, this whole role that the list manager is mm. to what makes a good one. How much work do they do? do you, is it a 20, is it, do you do it all year or can you just pick it up three weeks out and say, right, oh, let's, we need a couple of ruckmen, we need a couple, bit of this and a well, bit of that. Still, the, whole, the, the role is still in its infancy, isn't it? And so, and so are the people who are qualified to do it. It's like when, when it was, how, how old's the role of 10 years, 12 years? But I remember when that came in, going, how do you be qualified to be a list manager yeah. when no one's ever... Re- so it, it's, it's, sort still, of, it's yeah. still a baby. The Recruiting whole- moves into analytics and other things, isn't it? And, and I guess the, the initial list management model was look at what other clubs have done. Oh, they've gone to the draft and done this. Uh, let's do that. And now it involves how much you pay players. It does, the list manager, is he the one negotiating contracts, contracts as well, which is... 
you need you almost need an accounting degree or some sort of finance degree, I think, to be successful in that role to try and balance the books and what's he worth and not in footy. Do just you, nah, he's just a good. Well, person. do you come from and do you come from a you know some have come from a, a, a player manager point of view and then transition to the role? We've seen that, so I'm not sure what qualifies you, Hutto. I'm, I'm sure it's more work than we we believe it is but and you're no, right. I'm certain uh, it is. and you're right but you can't judge it probably for five we can't judge this new one for probably five years you know Paddy McCartan you know they, they've picked him is that is that the recruiting manager or is it the list manager it's not it's uh, knowledge of the industry isn't it as well it's knowledge of what every other club is doing I think that's probably the main difference to the old recruiters it's knowing what every what players are coming out of contract everywhere we, you know we put the work into him here we get him there we need to fill this spot how do we go yep. about it so it's all of that sort I of stuff I think you can say is what they had intended to build they haven't successfully built Correct. so that's your first plank and if that's was enough the, was to the plan right for a change i don't know the answer to that but they haven't they haven't fulfilled their own plan and you go well, so what does that mean is you go well do you get to build it twice not many people do i don't think so yeah no, i don't think anyone's um saying they've made a, a bad decision here uh tony elshaw obviously a great servant of of a number of clubs and a great footy man but uh they're going to look for somebody else. We can ask Simon Lethland about how they go about that when he joins us shortly. Quickly, let's update, and we'll get back to the Gold Coast element and your mate Tony Cochran too uh, shortly, Jared. But 40 Winks ladder update. The Eagles remain atop the ladder on percentage over the Swans, although the Eagles have a game in hand. If the Tigers defeat the Cats, surely not. They will take over on top for the time being. A win for the Blues this afternoon. We'll see them off the bottom of the ladder. The award-winning crunch time for Honda's seven-year sale ends June 30. Swans beat the Eagles for a second time this year. Last night, they're both on 10 wins. They are both in the premiership conversation and they have occupied the top of crunch time for Honda's seven-year sale. Great offers on a huge range of new models. See honda.com.au. Jared Waitley and Anthony Hudson with Kane Corns and Bob Murphy with the three key takeaways from last night. Uh, for the Swans, it's a simple one. Are they in the Premiership conversation? Oh, they're definitely in the in the Premiership conversation. Um, they're in that top bracket. They've been there before. They've got a few bruises from having having missed out in the last couple of years. Yeah, they've 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 got the solid defence. It's the midfield whether they've got enough balance in there, but they've got they've got the big fella up forward, and they've got some some players that are. I think of guys like Heaney and, and Gary Rowan and these guys who've got still got massive upside that haven't quite got to their full potential yet. Yeah, I've got them up there. They're not in the, the West Coast, Richmond, Melbourne ilk for me. I think they're just a rung under that with the likes of Geelong, perhaps Collingwood and maybe Port Adelaide if they can get home. So I don't see them in the top two or three in the what, competition. Why don't you see them? I, did, I, I think the reason I spoke about before, when you look at the other sides that I've spoken about, West Coast, Richmond, Melbourne... Even Collingwood, that they have genuine stars across the lines that can break open games of footy. I don't see that with the Swans. I see them as a dour sort of contested side that are going to make life very difficult for you, especially at home on the SCG. But get them away from there, you know, on the the wide open spaces, then I think it could become a little bit more difficult for them. I think they've been found out a little bit this year with with losses against Adelaide, uh, Port Adelaide, and a, a couple of others. So. Uh, very, very good side, but not at the top echelon for me. They've got a toughish draw too, haven't they, still? Uh, yeah, they're Particularly next immediately. Two, yeah. yeah, they got Richmond at Etihad. So that's a, it's they an interesting They play good venue. footy at Etihad. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And then they have Geelong at the SCG. So this, this stretch of three as to where they sit 
Uh, they're in the premiership conversation for me. I'd be fascinated to know Buddy's mindset right now in terms of, you know, winning that another premiership. Mm. Not justify his move to Sydney, but just to, to get Co- one more. It completes it, doesn't yeah. it? His career. I mean, you could argue it already is. He's already. You know, it's gone okay. Yeah. yeah. No, but uh, uh, just in his own, just in his own. I think that would that would take it to a whole other level if he could win one at the Swans. He's yeah. closing in on 900 too. He could get that, and then he's. I think it's 891 or something. He's up to now. So it's going to be another big milestone. I think the Premiership missed Burns with him, so yeah. he would like to get that. Uh, Ollie Florence. It was. It felt like the rising star conversation was starting to be narrowed down to two, Tom Duday and Jaden Stevenson. I feel like last night he broadened that out a little bit. He did, not He did, didn't he? And I heard some people suggesting on social media that he's now the favourite. Uh, Stevenson, for me, is is a step above the others. And, he's and mate, close, oh, silk, isn't just, he? And, and maybe if you line up all of their numbers, which I haven't done next to each other, uh, maybe Florin is, is right amongst it, but... What Stevenson has done in terms of igniting Collingwood's forward line, and he's mm. almost rejuvenated their forward line. I mean, they were, they started the season slow. You got to remember, and then he went to Adelaide and kicked five goals in the wet against the grand final side, and it transformed he their re- season. He reeks so of class, he doesn't does, he? Does and he's just he's an absolute nightmare for the opposition in the forward line. So, uh, what a pickup that was in the draft! Just magnificent, great Alex, story. Alex Witherden was sort of in the discussion as well, but mm. this is Florence last five weeks. 25, 22, 20, 20, and 27. So he's been he's been putting together games, and he's clearly gone to the next. He turned a few over last night. He, that's he, such a big challenge for any player starting out, though. That that's what that's what every AFL player talks about is consistency. Mm. So it's such a young. Duday's been very good as well. Yeah, great and, name. and a great name. And a great name. The role which that he's neither here nor there. Playing for Adelaide has been important. So yeah, he's been impressive as well. And West Coast uh, Adam Simpson, the coach, joined Anthony Hudson on Crunch Time. This is my fifth year, and I've been with obviously these senior players for a while now, and it's I think the connection is a lot stronger, and every year just grows a little bit. And the kids that have come in has really given us some energy. So uh, Mark Lacroix is a classic. You know, we get uh, Willie Rioli and Liam Ryan and Waterman into the side, and he suddenly grows as a player himself. So I think there's been a bit of a combination of a, some list transition, some youth, and uh, we're very role driven and. You know, we're, we're really going hard on the spirit side of things. So players seem to like that. Um, I like it. And, um, you know, for the most part, we're pretty consistent. We're not going to win every week, but um, we're, we're playing the right brand. I mean, I've seen it at, at Hawthorne and I definitely saw it at North, where over time the leaders drive more and more the standards and the culture. So that's what I'm seeing. I'm doing less in that space. So the, the spirit and the mateship, that's that's come from the players, and I'm um, I'm enjoying seeing it. The, we have the man on the long suit on the spirit side of things. Bob, what's that worth when you can harness it and grow it and then you probably get a coach who recognises it and embraces it? I've, I, I give it a, an enormous amount of, of, of weight. The connection amongst, amongst the group, the connection with your coach. To believe what you're doing is unique to the rest of the competition is a very hard thing to attain. But when you get it, you do feel it. And you can see that that's what's separating the top sides at the moment is that they they feel that what they've got is unique to the rest of the competition and they be, and they believe they can do it and and you you can you can see it in the way teams play but you can also hear it in the way coaches and players talk about their club um, and you get a sense of that I think from Adam Simpson that they think they're 
they've got something special. One last point which has been made off the text, uh, Kane, the Swans haven't lost away from home, so no issue there for the finals. And that is an interesting point, given how important this top two spot could be to each and every... When you go through the contenders, obviously Geelong won't get a home final, but if they happen to be in that spot, but, you know, Richmond, Sydney, West Coast, they... If the Swans can win on the road, finishing, you know, fourth or whatever, that could be really interesting. Yes, and so the Swans are the only team to have beaten West Coast at Optus, mm. and they look vulnerable at home. Yes. So where are they better to finish? Well, good, good question. Um, so that's the three key takeaways from last night. Crunch time for Honda's seven-year sale. Great offers on a huge range of new models. See honda.com.au. We'll have Simon Lethleen, the general manager of footy from St Kilda, in what is shaping as a volatile time at the club with us shortly. And from Fremantle in the box now, Chris Bond, who's the GM of footy for the Dockers. Bondy, welcome to Crunch Time. Thanks, Jared. Good, Good to, to see here. you. Thank you. Um, give us a picture. Five and seven. There's a lot to admire about what is grown this year at Fremantle. G- give us the picture from your perspective. Well, it is a bit of a journey. We're probably a year and a half into it. So um, the turnover of the list has been 50% in the last two years. So um, as we all know, that's really significant. And with that comes some um, some volatility, really, in performance because of age and, um, and where players are at ready to go. So we're really comfortable with the batch of players that's come in. Um, it really falls down to the three fundamentals of, of what we want to try and do, get the players in, retain them, get them fit and available and put a great program around them and then teach them a really successful game plan. So that's the plan and there's a fair bit in between all of that. When you map it out, are you where you expect it to be? Are you a little bit advanced? Um, no, probably about where we expect it to be. When, you, when you've got, but we also understand, as as I said, you know, the up and down roller coaster of it as well. So, um, you know, we know we've played some, you know, some really mature quality teams away from home, and we and we know what happens in regards to that. But, you know, um, you know, we'll keep trying to get the balance right in regards to what we do. There's integrity of selection that we're trying to do as well as keep building young players and growth of young players. We've obviously had two really high draft picks in the last draft that we hadn't had for a long period of time. So both those players are playing and it's not only what they're doing off on field, it's off field. They're high character people and um, it's what we're trying to instill in the club. I was going to ask you about that. What difference is it when you get the really high... And where does it stand out when you get the really high picks versus the not quite as high picks? Particularly well, in more than one of them. Yeah, no, no, it, it is significant for our club. I mean, the, the two highest picks that we've had in 10 years, really, since um, since Anthony Morabuto came through the door and Stephen Hill came through the door, I think, in, in 08 and 09. So, um, yeah, it does make a, an impact as well. But we've also seen this history of the draft where some really strong character and great players come through, you know, 30, 40 and 50 picks in the draft. So um, you can't... There's no great white hopes in this business. And, um, and those two players aren't that as well because we've seen... Um, seven players debut this year um, for us as a team. We've seen Mitch Croden go in and out of the team, but we've been really impressed what he's done as a fourth-round player. Stefan Giro will be out here today, who's um, you know is a great little runner and works really hard as a rookie list player as well. So we're putting as much time into all of them as we can. Bonnie, we've been speaking a little bit about the role of the list manager. Uh, what makes a good list manager, and, and and what are the areas of your club that you need to? Well, you, do you see a weakness there from your playing list? Yeah, well, the playing list, it's all, I, I think the real thing about a list manager is always looking at your list and making sure that you can fill the gaps you need to fill. Now, you know, history, different people have different thoughts about lists and building a list. And I know player movement's really grown over the last few years with free agency and, and player movement. But 
the underlying factor is if you get your draft right, you're a chance to get to where you want to get to. So, so that's still uh, the overwhelming... Well, look, it is in my opinion. <laughs> and uh, I think history shows that. So I'll argue that to my nosebleeds, to be honest. But um, I, I'm really adamant that, that where, you know, that's the foundation of your team that you, you need to get through. But with free agency and trying to add to your list and, and doing that is massively important. And we'll keep going into that bracket to be able to do that. So really versatility, Kane, in regards to your list manager being able to adapt to all areas and player movement is becoming quicker and, and, and it's happening more often and you really need to be across it um, with free agency and trade as well. So you'll go there again, you clearly target the draft because it's a strong one but there's room for a free agent, we're hearing your link to McGovern uh, from West Coast. Yeah, there's always rooms for free agents to be able to add to our list if they fit the profile that we need to do. The age demographic, we've made no secret of the fact that um, WA players is something that's been attracted um, for us, and we've done that in the past with, you know, Brandon Matera and Shane Kirsten, Nathan Wilson and Cam McCarthy, and, and we've done that as well. So we'll continue to go down that road, um, and we'll continue to be really strong in the draft draft process as well. How aggressively are you pursuing Mitch McGovern? Oh, Jeremy um, McGovern, I beg your pardon. <laughs> or, or both, Mitch, actually. <laughs> yeah. He's up there. Um, <laughs> look, as we have done all the time, there's there's no doubt, um, you know, our, our Brad Lloyd and our list manager will be are working really closely with everyone involved, not only Jeremy McGovern, but any person that fits into that bracket. So I'm, I'm not going to speak specifically of Jeremy, but but any other player that we think fits, we'll, we'll be in there having a go. Bondi, I know um, in footy we don't like to deal in hypotheticals, but can you just describe to me how you, how you might have felt after the 2013 grand final if Nat Fife made the call to say, look, I'm on a surfing trip and, and well, I think I'm done. I, well, just, I, I probably probably would have learned how to surf really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Jumped on a plane and found him, I reckon. So, um, yeah, look, it, was, it was a pretty pretty um, interesting story, wasn't it? But I, I think that's all it was. I, I think. Also, Were you aware of any of that? Um, no, but it didn't have to be either. I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's, um, yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting story for everyone involved. But anyone who knows Nat and knows the competitive beast he is, and I'm sure, you know, I've, I haven't played in a losing grand final. I've been a part of one, but I haven't played in one. The, you know, it would be a really, you know, um, destroying moment for you, really. And uh, he's gone away and thought of that. I, I think that would be a very fleeting moment because... Um, He's very keen and competitive to get us where we want to get to. It's a, it's a good broader question, Mum. Maybe one we can discuss later, but because you look at what's happening with Adelaide, but, and there's, there's various teams how they've handled it. I mean, the, the theory was you had to lose one to win one, but that hasn't always proved to be true either, has it? How do you reflect on, on the impact of, of the loss of a grand final? Um, yeah, I certainly don't believe you have to lose one to win one. Um, I would say the philosophies are so hard to get to. You might as well win them when you're there. Yeah, of course. Because they're so hard to get to as well, especially with where the competition's going and, and where everyone's going as well. And, and without getting the violin out, you know, we are based in the most isolated city in the world and, and in regards to travel. And there's different challenges that we have as, as both West Coast Eagles are having and everything as well. So, um, no, I don't believe in that philosophy. They're incredibly hard to get to. But, you know, Ross Lyons experienced coach for us. Um, I still remember the words we went through after that grand final and went through on the next ones, um, you know, on our next campaign and, and you just got to get back on the bike. It's the it industry we're in. It does talk to the emotional toll, doesn't it, of, of how much you know everyone puts into a campaign. I wanted to talk to you about that and ask you a question about that. There's been so much off-field turmoil for the Dockers this year. Do you, are you now feeling like there's a sense of clear air for the footy club after a tough start to the year off the field? Yeah, it's it's a good question. I think obviously there was the external noise and, and we get all of that, but internally um, 
we've got some really strong leadership and, and I think that came to the fore during that period and internally it had no effect on us and, and that's the real art of a strong football club of what we do. We've got a lot of experience, we've got stability at the top and um, yeah, during that period we, it was onwards and upwards and, and we moved forward. How has, how has Ross been both through there and, and since then? He, you know, he, he's Obviously, in his public comments, he talked about still just unbelievably determined, if not more so, to, to succeed and for the club. Yeah, look, I, you know, I don't hide my appreciation of what Ross has done since him and his family have walked through the door. I mean, he's, um, you know, from October, you know, 2011 until now, he's just been, um, you know, incredibly... Um, strong, loyal um, and driven at our football club to get to where we want to get to. We, we obviously had that patch between 12 and 15 where we were, we were a true contender um, and now we're rebuilding and, and to be honest his strength is in both areas. Um, you know the ability to be able to teach and adapt a young group of players. I mean you know in 2011 in his first draft in 2013 we played in a grand final with three second year players and a, an emergency of second year player as well so his ability to develop and nurture players through um probably goes unnoticed as so, well. so is that a flawed notion is it that he he doesn't know how to manage and encourage young players i mean clearly we see them now he's playing them but there has been that view that he that wouldn't be strength not from us it hasn't no ever since he's walked in the door i mean i can't comment on previous coaching I wasn't with him I have a real strong for me personally I'm lucky enough to be in the game nearly 30 years so I get asked about a lot of people at the time I can only give an opinion if I've worked with the person or coached the person or been involved with them but um, so I can't talk about pre-us but here um, since he's arrived at this football club you know his his influence has been uh, the biggest influence of anybody in the club's history how disappointed was he with Michael Walters uh, the Adelaide game had the potential to cost you the game with a free kick the 50 meter penalty and now he's not playing today and one of your better players missing yeah it really hurts us today Um, it's just that other avenue of where we can hopefully score and use the ball as well look Ross's uh, and with Michael as well, Michael's done so much for our football club and we've all had brain fades and guilty has charged all of us. So um, Ross addressed it straight after the game. Um, we addressed it the next day through the when the tribunal happened. Um, match review panel came up and really then we moved on. Sonny knows what happened, um, apologetic for it. Um, Ross addressed it after the game and we moved forward. Your views on the state of the game, being a player and a, a, an assistant coach and now a very important general manager of football who even has the authorised device user on oh, no. his accreditation. I haven't seen many of those hands No, out. no, I think I just put that on myself. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Look, I love the game. I, I I don't get caught up in too much of how, you know, the game itself and how it is. And, um, you know, I could go and watch any game. I'm not a great one to ask of it, to be honest, because um, I've been lucky enough to be in the game for a long period of time. I enjoy watching the game. I think who, when you've been involved in it, either a player, assistant coach um, or administrator, um, you can't ride the waves too hard. It'll just do your head in. So for me, I'm, uh, I'm privileged to be involved at a strong club with really good people. We've got a great young list that's led really well. So, um, yeah, I couldn't be in a better place. Set the expectations for us this afternoon. Winning quarters has been hard on the road for yeah, a young correct. team coming through. Carlton are on a similar journey. Yeah. What can you expect this Savo? Yeah, well, we there's no doubt with Carlton coming off the bye, you know, it's, it's a little bit of people will sort of say what's that good for a team or not good for the team so that's why we just have to worry about ourselves at the start um, the three experienced players come in to help balance with a young team and we think that that's certainly going to help us 
You know, and you, we can all we all understand what Nat and Aaron and, and Stephen Hill bring to the team. But we're obviously really concerned um, because of what Carlton, their youth, their run. Um, we understand someone, you know, their midfield, even though Murphy's missing. You know, Cripps is a really high-quality, big-body midfielder that we're going to have to be wary of. They are capable. They're tall down forward, so they're capable of kicking goals against us. Um, and they'll have a few players go to our players as well, whether it's a defensive forward or whether it's an on-baller on as well. So, um, yeah, we're really concerned about ourselves. We, we made some really strong inroads. Lose, win or lose the game last week, we still would have left that game going, that's the style of footy that we want to play and, that, and that's where we need to go. So, um, yeah, it's a journey and, and we're hoping um, that we can just be competitive and strong and everything else will look after itself. Is this your best chance on the road so uh, far? Yeah, look, it's hard to say, isn't it? I mean, you could look at that and argue that uh, if you go into a game thinking like that, we'll get rolled, I think, because Carlton certainly have some strengths. Um, so we're just going to concentrate on what we do and try and do it better than, than better than what we've done. Chris Bond, the General Manager of Footy Operations from the Fremantle Dockers. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Thanks, guys. Chris. Um, to both Bob and Kane, so the, the story about Nat Fife and, and its reference there, how did you read it and... Did it resonate with you when you read it? Uh, yeah, oh, it was fascinating. Because Nat is a different... When you, when you watch him play the game, he is one of those players we get, you know, every every seven or eight years you go, oh, that's, that's the, he's the future. That's, that's what it, it could be. And, and he's, he's got a different take on I've spent a little bit of time with Nat. He, he sees the game and he sees the world differently to a lot of other footballers. And I, I How does the he way, see it, Bob? Uh... In what he's, way is it different? He's very deep. He's very, uh, there's um, the psychology of the game. He's quite, for want of a better word, spiritual and and thinks deeply about things and his the his place in the game. He's curious about about what he could be. I think he's got a healthy um, arrogance of of how good he could be. But I think I think he has, and this kind of highlights it that he's probably wrestled with with football and the importance of it. Because I find this fascinating because you talk to some people and you say he's a really business orientated, very aware of his brand. I think he's a very... All I, that sort I of find side, him a, and I, yet he's prepared potentially. And, and, I find him a curious balance yeah. of very, very commercial and corporate and very hippie. It's like a, <laughs> a, 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 a corporate hippie. It ups. It absolutely resonated uh, with me, the story, because in uh, 2014, we lost the prelim final by a kick to Hawthorne after kicking, I think we kicked two goals, nine in the first quarter, and then watching the grand final the week after was, uh, now not, not use the word depression, but not clinical depression for those that suffer that. It's more of just a, a sadness, not wanting to get up and face the world, a lack of motivation is probably the right term for it when you watch Hawthorne go on to win the grand final against a very ordinary Sydney the week after and you just, all you can think of, well that could be us, you know, would Sydney have been as bad against us, could we have won my second last year of footy, you're above 30 it's your absolute last chance it does, to, to have a crack and it, it's so that feeling I, I, I always steal Jared's line of football and sport is the dessert trolley of life so it needs to be put in that context but when yep. losing a grand final falling short missing out watching other it feels like mm. grief and so i think that's what that's that's what he's kind of articulated now was he ever going to quit the game no, no i don't think he was ever. and he, in his heart of hearts i don't think he ever thought but there is that moment of a complete bottom out yep. emotionally and it's such a long journey to get back there it's a whole pre-season a lot of stuff has to go right look at adelaide this year. The preliminary uh, final day can be 
almost, well, not more, because probably losing the grand final is, but that creates exactly the same as you've alluded to. There's because, an emptiness. Because you've then got to watch other teams go through it next week. That's well, not, you, you, know, you know how hard it was to get to that point. So you next know, year's you, all you, about getting back just to that same point. Well, I've given it... I've, myself and this group have given... We've purged our souls for this whole campaign, and then it falls short. And if you get beaten quite comfortably, you think... So there, we have to go further than that. It's, it's quite a daunting prospect emotionally. This is where Adelaide ties into this conversation, mm. I think, and there'll be a story written in hindsight, whether that's when the next few weeks finishes them off as a prospect, whether it's at the end, whether they make a late rally, is whatever happened in the aftermath of their grand final and how they dealt with it on a number of fronts. And the word was around in January that they hadn't dealt with it particularly yep. well, and that seems to have been true as... Uh, there'll be there'll be elements of what you're talking about that are stitched right into the middle of that lane. Yeah, which I, is why I still am. I, I'm more and more confused about this camp. The more I think about it, talking, the, the it's meant to be a thing of mindfulness and emotional intelligence. I've never seen a a, a bigger lack of emotional intelligence than a group that is bottomed out emotionally after that heavy defeat to then take them away and twist the blade on these things well the theory was that it was about resilience it was about testing their resilience and demanding a better response because they weren't able to produce that on grand final day they had failed their leaders had notionally at least failed on grand final day and this was to challenge them in this area so that they'd be better next time well a bit like those guys running i'm not an expert either but i would have thought at that part that stage of the grief that that's a group that needs to be brought together and picked up not to be not when to be when was it? Was it January the camp, or was it pre pre January? Oh, there's a lot of secrecy around it. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure if we can find out pretty easily, but I can get the I can get the reasons for it because you would think the competition is so even. Well, how are we going to get an edge? Well, the edge is in the mind, and they'd already sort of uh, tinkered with the idea of meditation, and they delved into that space a little bit throughout the year, which had worked for them very well. So they've thought, I think, well, how are we going to go, go the, the next level? Well, the next level is not physically, because we're physically okay. And we know our game style holds up. We've got the talent. Let's go into the mind. And I get what they were thinking, but from a number of levels, they've just got this completely wrong. But there's the physical element of it as well, isn't there? Because they, they did push the bounds a bit more with the, some of the training. Then the injury started. So this is all just piled on top of each other. And if they were, you know, and I know what comes first but if they were fourth on the ladder we wouldn't be talking about it well and they've lost like they lost last week in a close one they lost a showdown they're leading with 30 seconds to go there's another game i think they lost in a close one so if they're if they're eight and four we're probably not talking about it but um you know they're not not, and, and clearly there's been a lot of things go wrong and and the messaging from the club has been strange, I think. So they're 6-6, six, six and, and it really rests on tonight, doesn't it? It does. If they don't find a way to beat Hawthorne, it, it looks like curtains. Win or go home today, tonight, for both clubs. I think for both? For, for both. Hawthorne as well? Yeah. Who, who wins then? Well, I, I would tip Hawthorne because... Hawthorne of, easily. Because, I think, yeah, because of... I think the, they're broken, Adelaide. The Feb, early Feb was the count. Yeah. So it's a, and it's so a strange how, 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 how did you how did you not feel? a singular issue. I don't think the camp. I think there's there there's was a what number flo- of issues. Float into yeah. it, what float out of it, and yeah. the fallout from that. Anyway, they are a story to be mm. written in hindsight. That much I'm sure of. Kane Corns and Bob Murphy with you on Crunch Time for Honda's seven-year sale. Great offers on a huge range of new models. See Honda.com.au. The first card has fallen at St Kilda. The first step has been taken. The list manager is departing. What else lies in store for the Saints for the remainder of the season? The decisions in the off-season 
and today how will they go against the Suns that will occupy our minds next with Simon Lethleen from the Saints SEM, the award-winning crunch time for Honda's seven-year sale ends June 13. Yes, on crunch time, a lot discussed, a lot more to talk about as we're leading to another big day of football. And the action will be at Etihad Stadium, first and foremost with Carlton and Fremantle. But a very big day for the St Kilda Football Club as they take on the Gold Coast at Metricon Stadium. And uh, they've taken some action during the week as they try and redress their issues this year, which sees them with just one win and one draw. And Simon Lethleen, the St Kilda General Manager of Football Operations, has been good enough uh, to join us. Uh, Simon, thanks for your time. G'day, Hutter. How are you going? I'm good. You're feeling nervous, anxious ahead of a game, a big game up there? No, I don't get too anxious about those things. I'm, uh, I'm actually just been at the under 18 Championship watching a big Metro game, watching some of the young kids running around there. So it's been uh, a nice environment on the Gold Coast to try and stay composed and calm, to be honest. And what has the mood at the club been uh, in, inside the, the famous four walls? Yeah, the, the mood's been uh, one of hard work and trying to find solutions and, and to bring a response. Um, I think our football was tracking uh, a bit better across a few weeks until last week where the uh, the output uh, was just not good enough. So we're looking for a response from the playing group today and it's certainly been the preparation all week. And how how is your role of assessing the club? If you could loosely take us through the year, obviously when you get there you're just working out your surrounds and, and working out who does what and so forth. But how is, how is your appreciation and understanding, I guess, of the issues that the club has faced uh, changed as the year's gone on and also as the results haven't gone your way? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've only been there for five months and probably haven't... Uh, I've only had one win since I've been there, so I, I haven't seen the, the ups of the wins like you can potentially have across the course of a, of a season when you're going well. So, you know, I've, uh, I guess I'm piecing together just how important all the key elements of a football program are because they all interrelate and they all affect performance. And you'll see, you know, we've made a decision to to make some change in our list management area f- for the reason that I think we can get better there and that we can modernise how we do things, um, focus and analyse things differently and, and make better decisions, hopefully. So that's all part of it. It's not just coaching, it's not just players. There's uh, insights and people and, and all, all elements of the program come together. So Tony Elshaw is moving on. Did you have to make that decision now just because of the decisions and the work that needs to go in before the end of the year? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, had a pretty grown-up conversation with Tony. He's been in footy a, a long time and, and uh, you know, he agreed, he agreed too that it's time for us to head in a different direction and part of that will be, you know, having Tony there for the time being to, to help with that transition and that handover. So it's the right time for that given decisions that are made at draft time in November, but also discussions that are ongoing now with um, out-of-contract players and free-agent players and, and assessing our own list. So we, we want to get the person who's going to lead that area going forward and as soon as possible to, to, have that, uh, to have that impact with us. So is that recognition, Simon, that the list hasn't been built to the success that the plan was uh, was laid out? No, it's not it's not the way I look at it. I mean, I really don't look at the the past. I'm really looking at, at the now and the way forward. And, and um, you know, I really think 
this decision would have been made, uh, whether we were in a fourth spot now or, or where we are, because I actually just think it's an area we can evolve and improve. So um, we believe that we've got a nucleus of a pretty good side. It's the, it's the fourth youngest list. It, it certainly needs to add elite uh, young talent from the draft, but it also needs to add some more senior, impactful players to it. So I really don't look at the, the past of pilots. I just look at the best way to move forward with the best people to make the right decisions. So how big are the decisions that you have to make, Simon, between now and, uh, and say, the month after your season finishes? Um, you know, I guess that's to be determined as I keep looking at how we can improve. Um, you know, there's obviously decisions to be made about coaching groups in general, and, and that's not an unspoken issue. It's, it's one that's raised in reviews throughout the year with coaches and you know, there's that magical 1 August date that the AFL Coach Association quite rightly have for us to give coaches our views about where we're heading. So the decisions to be made there as it is with the structure of coaching as it is with, I think, trying to find some, some good people too to help us have better insights and better smarts to surround our coaching groups. So there's plenty to do, but um, you're never as far away as you think. I think you're pretty to be able to make some good calls and, and get things back on track. Do you have to make a decision about Alan Richardson, notwithstanding that the contract is there? You're the fresh set of eyes. Will you have to make a decision either way as to whether he continues on? Well, I think I obviously do, but you know, at this stage, um, my decision is that Alan's our coach and that he deserves, in my view, to be surrounded and supported with the best people we can to make him the best coach. Now, I said last night on radio, I think Wayne Carey's summary earlier in the week that Alan's had a done all the work to get to be a senior coach he's followed the right pathways to educate himself as a coach and had two or three pretty good years in the last two or three years he's in a down situation at the moment which is not all his fault so my focus is is not to blame it's to surround and support and give him what he needs to be the coach he can so that's that's my focus so is the is the examples of Collingwood and Richmond there to look at as well with, with with what they did in terms of giving more support for the senior coach yeah, there's lots of examples around about uh, having the right people in your program to, to give the insights and smarts you need to, to coach and play as best you can. So um, I'm not sure there's any one right model, but the right model in my mind is to have the best people you can in your program. And, and I reckon we're probably a couple short in, in all sorts of different areas. And you know, I've got uh, people I want to talk to and uh, we want to attract some good people, just like we want to attract elite players and we want to, you know, we want our leadership to improve as well. And we want our players to work harder and we want our players to give more. Um, so there's, there's all elements to successful football. Well, you speak about your playing list and uh, one A grader, we think, with Jack Stephen. Then there is a drop-off. How can you get A graders into your club? You've got pick three as it stands right now. Then your next pick's not until 57. And you've struggled to attract that free agent. How is those players going to come to your club? Yeah, well, the best way, came to, to get A graders in your club is to de- develop them from within. Now, we certainly think that we've got um, some that are on the pathway to being whatever the media wanted to find an A grader as. Jake Carlow and Seb Ross and Jay Gresham are pretty good examples of that. Um, we think there's lots of upside in McCartan and Billings. We think there's big upside inside our younger players coming through in Bailey Rice and, and examples like Ben Long. So uh, we have the examples to develop and nurture what we've got, uh, but we absolutely have to use the other assets that the AFL give you to get A grades to your club, which is free agency trade and out of contract players and you know drafting elite talent too and, and drafting elite talent can be 
drafting a Tim Kelly, who's the best player in a state league, that can come and have an impact straight away. So there's all sorts of ways to do it, but um, not all of them work out. But um, we certainly think we've got enough within to develop, but we want to attract some more. Would you like another pick? Uh, would you like another first-round draft pick in this year's draft? Oh, I think 18 clubs would say yes to that. I've just watched... Uh, the Allies versus Vic Metro, there's some pretty good kids running around. So, um, yeah, everyone would love a first-round pick. We've got one that's going to be pretty high, and we'd love some more. What's your response to Nick Revolt's assessment of the, well, maybe the, the feedback not being as strong as he thinks it should be, uh, particularly following losses? Yeah, I had a good chat to Nick last night. I've been in good contact with Nick this year because he's a really good resource for me about what he knows about the club. He knows it better than me. Um, I think Nick might have um, been interpreted that he was talking about the feedback given to players by coaching. Uh, I think he really was talking about the feedback that the players give each other and I think um, our leadership is young and uh, our leadership needs to improve and part of that is all about feedback. I don't know if it's at the extremes that Nick talks about but yeah, you know, playing groups need to be honest with each other and give feedback to improve so we certainly know that and look to evolve that. But, um, yeah, Nick's a, one of those really singularly focused, unbelievable generational athletes who demand a lot of people. And um, he clearly uh, has a view that, that the generation of now is different to what he was used to and, and he'd prefer to have more brutal feedback. But, you know, it, the times have changed. The feedback is brutal, but it's done different ways with some players. And um, we're still working on that, absolutely. What swings on today, Simon? Um, what swings on today for me is how our players respond firstly um, you know two clubs that aren't in good form uh, the team that wins tonight will I think be the most aggressive uh, provide the most response with passion for their club and their playing group so that's what I'm looking to see um, if we get that and have a win um, fantastic and we'll go into the bye and, uh, and look to keep improving each week if we don't get that response we have to keep working hard we have to keep demanding more and we have to keep supporting and staying together there's no I know the media would like us to um, talk crisis and, and make change and, and blame, but my way forward is to support and surround and, and get better. And if it doesn't work out tonight, we'll, we'll, make, we'll make the the hard work be the way forward. And um, I'm looking forward to a big response from the players from the first minute. Thanks for joining us. Uh, good luck today. Thanks a lot, guys. Cheers. Simon Lethlein, Security General Manager, Football Operations. What did we make of that? As expected, yeah, pretty honest and um, exactly knows, I think, now exactly where they're at. I, I wonder if he knew how many challenges were ahead of him. As he said, five months in the job, I wouldn't have expected he thought it, they were coming from this far back, but it uh, looks like the wheels are in motion. So there is a decision to make around the, all the coaching positions. Yeah, There's clearly going to be change at the yeah, assistant level, yeah. isn't there? And I think the preference is to change what's around Alan Richardson. There'll be a, a moment of reality, whether that is what can be done or whether something else has to be done. Um, I, don't, I don't agree that Nick Revolt was talking about anything other than the coaching feedback because he was the leader of the playing group. Mm. Is, he was talking about his time Till last at the club. Year anyway. yep. uh, and that was his reference point. He wasn't talking about what's happening now. He was talking about what had been happening in the past couple of years. And he's the leader of the playing group who flinched at nothing. Is he was clearly referencing... Um, the, the coaching might, yeah. relationship with the players. Do you think? Oh, yeah. I think it would. I think it could be a bit of both. I think that Nick and Kane and I, we came from a generation where there was the, the structure for those sorts of feedback sessions, which that I think has been. I'm sure Nick had some 
you know, he he would have, you know, Nick is Nick, and he would have he would have dealt with players on an individual basis, uh, the way you want. But I think when you take away the structure to have to have those as a playing group, that I think maybe that's what oh, I, we don't know, do we? But that was my I think take. there's residual tension between Nick Revolt and Alan Richardson. I, I think that's inescapable, and mm. the circumstances sort of demand that there would be. Yeah, yeah. Given that he really wanted to play on. Yeah, essentially. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, there's plenty more to discuss. Your mate Tony Cockrell, we've still got to talk about him, Jared. Crunch time for Honda's seven-year sale. I want to ask about the pies. Also, shorter games. Do we need shorter games? And Gary Pert, his appointment as well for the Melbourne Footy Club. Great offers for Honda's seven-year sale are on now a huge range of new models. See honda.com.au. SEM, the award-winning crunch time for Honda's seven-year sale ends June 13. Round 13 continues here at Etihad Stadium. Carlton and Fremantle to do battle this afternoon. Of course, winners already so far this round uh, were Port Adelaide over the Western Bulldogs. And uh, we might have a chance here to ask Bob a question or two about the doggies. He probably hopes we run out of time before the end of the show. No, he's ready for it. And last night, the Sydney Swans uh, over the West Coast Eagles, despite the fact that uh, they didn't score a goal in the first and last quarter. They got home by 15 points. But let's get into the part two of the crunch. And we'll start by playing Tony Cochran, uh, talking about some of the mistakes from the past on the Gold Coast. Do we need some help? You bet we need some help. Because, you know, there's been some chronic errors made in the past. Uh, and they ha- we need some help to fix those errors. You can't dump it all on, you know, Tony Cochran, Stuart Jew and Mark Evans and say, oh, well, you three just battle against all the odds in a non-AFL market and good luck. Come back and see us in 10 years' time. Let us know how it went. <laughs> He's great. Is he right? Is he right? Yes, yes. It's, obviously, there were mistakes made in the setup. Some of the mistakes are, well, they're owned at every level, aren't they? Um, I guess the, the worst are the way that they built their list and how it hasn't amounted to anything in the eighth season they're still where they've always been and they do suffer they keep getting beaten by 100 points by the giants and they suffer for that so i thought it was the so it was tuesday morning monday night had been everyone going either shut the club down or they're a basket case give them give them everything yep it was the morning to be out on the wall is regardless of whether you think tony is too extreme or overly emotional or it's two-seated in passion. That's the moment your president has to be on the wall great. just slapping people away. You can throw whatever uh, you like at it. We'll be successful. I think so there, I thought, I, yeah, I th- sorry to cut you off there, Joe. I think there's certain moments, whether it is slightly misguided or it's over the top, that you, that you need the leadership club to fight for your corner. That, 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 that tells a lot to that group of players. Of going, This man's prepared to stand out there and swing back and fight for you. So that that's part of club culture. I loved it. So the fact that you could sort of listen to his voice and sense that he's had the footy boots on and socks pulled up, that just added to so the So what does thing. he want? What, what help does he want? Well, he, more... he wasn't specific on that because that's not really his portfolio other than he'd like any help that they could get. Mm. Money. So is it salary cap exemptions? Is picks. It, yeah. Every, I mean, as you would understand, he, all of the above. he would like everything. <laughs> Gillan McLaughlin the next day wasn't entertaining anything. No. That was the... So the most rational thing that's been argued is that they need an emergency set of draft picks. Now, whether they should or they shouldn't, 
and the club, is, the AFL's having none of that. Well, that that's clearly like a, strong pressure from other clubs not to let that happen. Yeah. Well, and there's no guarantee though, Hunter. They had four top ten draft picks in 2016. That, that's not long ago. Now, some of those, are Scrimshaw, Bowes, Ainsworth, perhaps a player, but whether they got those four right, only not even two years ago, remains to be seen. So draft picks isn't an automatic help for them either. They and now away, have the facilities at least. That's yeah, one thing. Giving away pick two last year oh. was reprehensible. Yeah. And that alone is the reason they shouldn't get emergency draft picks. If you, well, if who, you who takes a pick who, like who that... Who takes the blame for that, though? Surely well, that, that's the new administration. That's the new administration owns that. So... You know, there's mistakes all the way through. What, what about the, the notion of, of the money for an ambassador, which obviously in this case might be Tom Lynch or, for the Giants, somebody else? I think you could more justify money around the gathering of people like Jared McVeigh and Dale Morris. and So things that don't tip out the, yep. the balance of the competition, but they mm. do provide the exact sort of people that you need, whether mm. they're on-field or off-field, is I would be much more comfortable with the money being spent on that front than helping them keep Tom Lynch. How's your tan, Bob? <laughs> About as good as my knees. I'm fit, Hutto. Okay. I'm, ready, I'm ready to You're go. To go. You're I'm too ready fit. to go. I'm <laughs> slow. You need to train I'm... off. I was actually I was actually talking more about being an assistant coach, but uh, you want to take it no, as, I a, want to play. as a play. Fair, fair enough, Kane. Uh, Damien Hardwick says, uh, as a few other coaches do, that games need to be shorter. Yeah, I think we've spoken about as a coaching fraternity for the last two to, you know, two to three years that the game is far too long. You know, you only got to look at how it goes. You know, some sides, for example, play 33-minute quarters and then some sides play 28-minute quarters. So over the course of a, a week, that doesn't seem significant, but over the course of a year, it can be quite significant. And, and you look at especially the, the game with young sides, the blowouts tend to happen in the last five minutes of quarters. So once again, if it's all about what is best for the competition, I think it's a no-brainer from my point of view. Any merit in that? Well, someone you know well, Blighty, uh, Jared says that if you bring in the last touch out of bounds, no boundary throw-ins or limited boundary throw-ins, that will reduce the game. Now, that's happened in the Sandfall. I can't remember the exact time frame. About a minute and a half per quarter, I think it does reduce the game. So maybe there's a What's it a, look a like solution. when, when you I don't, I don't like it. Uh, I mean, it's not, a, it's not a massive impact on the game. You don't... But there are times where, you, you know, you might have a shot for goal in the forward pocket. It doesn't score, but it rolls out of bounds. All of a sudden, you're setting up for a throw-in. But the yeah. opposition have got the ball, so it's just completely against the way that I'm. It's got a bit used of school to, sports vibe to it. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm not a massive. I'm not nah. a massive fan of that being too a, a lever. And if you want to make the game shorter, let's how just much shorter? Take a minute off the clock. What's the accepted <laughs> view? If you're going to make it shorter, how much shorter? I, I think I think the notion is that there's nothing that can't be sorted in 100 minutes. So yeah. how do you get 126 minutes back to 100 minutes? The how is is a much more difficult question. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mick Malthouse, uh, he had this to say on ABC Grandstand, your old old Jared, about Gary Pert's appointment at Melbourne. I've got to say I'm very surprised because uh, there was a fair bit in-house that I don't think was very nice. So you've heard that Gary Pert was hard on staff? Well, I heard that they were pleased that he went, put it that way. Internally, when I was, I was there, no, we didn't get on. He threw his lot in with Nathan very, very early, and I was sort of pushed to the background and found things very difficult. Ah, uh, there's. I'm not sure what my question is, but uh, no, it, it was surprising it though, was, that Gary yeah, Burt was appointed was. as the chief executive of Melbourne. That 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 part. And it came the out of the blue because it, it, the view was that there was Josh Marnie and then a, a couple of others from other clubs that were out there, and maybe one from non-footy. 
but uh, yeah, I hadn't heard Purdy's so name. The two views were that, and Caroline Wilson, I think, had laid this out, is there was an AFL push for someone against what was the internal process that would either see Josh Marnie or Alistair Nicholson from the yep. Cricketers Association um, come forth, and that Melbourne, who have developed quite a good culture of promoting internally, have now sort of stepped outside that, and whether that was Peter... Whether where Peter Jackson sits in that and what was going to be a handover, there's no handover now. No, is Gary Pert's not mm. coming in under Peter Jackson to seamlessly continue on. Gary comes in as his own man with a significant administration history in the sport, and it's his club from the moment that he walks in the door. Yeah, that's October, isn't it? I yeah. think he starts. So it's very, so, very yeah, interesting. No seamless transfer. Um, Sean Bergwin tonight hits 350, so it's. It, it's a magical figure, and he's 16th player to do it. Where does he sit in the scheme of things? And is he the most versatile player we've ever, or great player that we've seen? He's do you think? the most, yeah, that I've that I've probably ever seen. I think that his ability to sense the moment in a game mm. is as good as I've ever seen. So when you need that's someone, what that's what he, all of his teammates talk about. When you need someone to stand up and do something, and I actually sent him a text during the week, and I just said, my memory of him is a tackle he laid in a prelim final where he just comes out of the blue and saves the game for you in a close one. But how many times have we seen it for Hawthorne when someone needs to kick a big goal or Clarko wants to put him on ball and put him in the centre square and he gets a clearance? So just his ability to sense the moment is as good as I've ever seen. There's a, there's a few players of this generation that I, I, I sit back and look at and go... Gee, I wish I had their career. And Sean Burgoyne is one of those. Received complimentary GST and stamp duty. Twelve final series he's played. And second, that's incredible. Second wow. most finals games. He's six behind Tucky. Might get a few more this year. Mm. Who knows? In terms of great Indigenous players, I think he's only behind Franklin, Farmer, Farmer. and Cable. So two legends and Buddy will be a legend. And I, I, think, he ties, I think he ties in with Andrew McLeod. Yep. I think he's exactly on that level. For wow. whatever that's that's worth. a massive call. It hasn't yeah. been, it, wasn't, it wasn't a good week for all Australian selection panels. When it, when it read that Sean Burgoyne's only made the side once, <laughs> thought, how's that, how's that I'd, possible? I'd blame Jared here. <laughs> but I'm not, sure he's, he's, I'm not sure he's ever won a best and fairest either, has he? No. So blame the coaches as well. That's <laughs> it for crunch time for Honda's seven-year sale. Great offers on a huge range of new models. See honda.com.au. More footy to come. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.